Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 290. Okay, so poor Donna. She just got here to my house and she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna talk about it on the episode. And she's like, did y'all cook pork chops? It smells good. (laughs) I'm like, bitch, if you only knew what I was about to tell. Okay, so if you're newer to the podcast, you probably don't know if you haven't gone back and listened to all the old episodes that a few years ago, I got bad food poisoning that like went to my ankle, had to have surgery, had to have a pig line for it, like a whole thing, right? So for tonight, for dinner, I made fried pork chops, mac and cheese, and English peas. Perfect. Great dinner, right? Colby gets home late for work, so I'd made the pork chops, like started the mac and cheese as soon as he was on his way home, just because, you know, the pork chops can kind of sit there, but the mac and cheese would be gross. Sit down and eat. I take a bite out of my pork chop. It is not cooked. Oh, no. I put it out, and I said, is that raw? And he went, yeah. When I tell y'all, I went in immediate meltdown. Like, I literally could cry right now telling y'all because the trauma surrounded with uncooked food for me is so triggering to me. Poor Colby was like, it's okay. And like, I recooked it and then I pulled it off. It still wasn't done. What? Cooked it again. And I was like, are you sure? And he's like, yes, that's cooked. I ate one bite and I was like, I can't do it. I could not do it. No, I wouldn't be able to either. I... Like, I'm so sick to my stomach right now because I just feel like I'm going to get sick, you know? Yeah. Were they thicker than normal? That's what Colby said. He was like, they're just thicker than you normally cook. So I just didn't cook it. Oh, my God. And then I, I know this is so silly, but then I felt like embarrassed that I had messed something up, you know, which I know is so silly because like, you know, you shouldn't feel that way, your partner. And he absolutely did not make me feel that way. He was like, it's okay. It's okay. Do you want me to do it? It's okay. You know? I totally get that. I get embarrassed on things that, again, we think we should be perfect and how, like, mm-hmm. you, you know, again, I don't know. It's just who we are. Right. I know you can cook pork chops. You've done it twice, and I've ate both of them. And now I have, like, a thing about them. (laughs) I mean, hopefully it'll be temporary, because that's Colby's favorite meal. So hopefully it will be temporary, but right now I'm like, the thought of it is, like, kind of churny to me in my stomach. Yeah, no, I totally get that. I mean, I can't do Olive Garden, and that was just a little bit of that. I didn't get sick. I didn't do anything. It was just gross. It was literally raw chicken that they gave you. Yeah. Well, in one of the restaurants that we go to a lot... I ate half of a chicken sandwich before I realized it was raw. This was a year or two ago, and I still cannot get a chicken sandwich there. Like, I cannot do it. So here's hoping I don't get sick. God bless, please. So Colby has an ear infection, and it's like his third one in a year and a half, maybe. And the doctor sent them to an ENT, and they said he may have to have tubes in his ears. And I was like, I have never heard of an adult having to get tubes in their ears. Please tell them in the voice that you told me that he was going to have to get tubes in his ears like a baby. I don't recall this conversation. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. She was like, like a little baby. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. But that's actually what she calls him, too. So there's No, I don't call him that. No. But she does talk to him just like she does Jax, and it's in a baby voice. You know what? I would hate me if I wasn't me too. It's okay. I mean, I don't hate you. I judge you. (laughs) I really don't judge you because... She does. No. But if I was the outsider looking at it, I'd be like, oh, God. Oh, I know you would. (laughs) No doubt about it. Honestly, you would say, that makes me uncomfortable and I don't want you to 
do that around me. I would not. I would say that makes me uncomfortable, but I wouldn't say do it, don't do it around me. That makes me uncomfortable. What do you, but keep going. Make me uncomfortable. But I wouldn't say it even to you. Like yes, if it you was would. you doing yes, it. Yes, you would. Nah. Yes, you would. Tiffany, everyone listening who knows Carrie, tell me I'm right. I'm going to put this as a poll. And and if you don't know what poll I'm talking about, it's on Spotify. And one time we were talking about who likes the Beast better or the Prince. And I was like, I'm going to do it. And I just saw that someone said, the fact that you actually put the poll up. <laughs> <laughs> that was their comment on Spotify. <laughs> well, Cindy posted on her Facebook and it said, people who wear socks to bed, uh, explain yourself. And I said, of course, because y'all know I lo- love wearing socks to bed. And I, of course, was like, because it's so cozy. And she commented, she's like, that she immediately went to me and you arguing over why socks are better or not better. Yes. Why do we argue so much? <laughs> really? 30 years of friendship. Oh, God. With two uh, headstrong, bullheaded biatches. Yeah. Who says biatches? I don't know. Mean Girls. That's who. Like, the movie. I was like, did she just say I was a mean girl? I mean, you are, but... <laughs> I am not mean. Insert silence while everyone nods. I'm not mean. You're authoritative. Authoritative. Okay, that's not mean. Telling you... <laughs> <laughs> Please, how she literally just said that. But that's not mean. That's direct. And no, I, I was trying to be very nice on that. You... I would be scared to come up to you if I didn't know you. People come up to me all the time and talk to me. I'm like, why are you talking to me? <laughs> Just kidding, kind of. If we put a poll to say, who's more approachable? I don't think it'd be you. Yeah, okay, out of the two of us. <laughs> but in life, like, I'm not mean, though. I literally told you the other day, I was like, you're kind of short. Well, that doesn't mean mean. That is not what you're like. She was the nicest person. She was like really curt with her answer. (laughs) I'm just, I try to be direct. (laughs) Because that, you know what? One thing I learned from the Bitch Bible podcast is being direct and honest is kind. Because because telling you like half truths or not telling you like, I don't know, you got some shit on your face. That's a terrible example. I, I was just like, <laughs> do you see my face? Because I was like, well, yeah, who wouldn't tell you that? I understand being direct and, yes, being truthful, but there's just a difference. You see, you would say, you would describe me as mean. Well, first I would say she's one of my best friends, but she can be a bitch. Okay, but that's different than being able to be a bitch and being a mean person. Totally different. Okay, she can be mean. Okay, but I'm not mean. Overall, not mean. So basically, I can stand up for the things that need to be stood up for. Help me, (laughs) y'all. She's not mean. Not mean at all. Oh, my God. I need to introduce y'all to the nicest person I have ever (laughs) met in my life. (laughs) Carrie West. (laughs) Oh, God. I never said I was nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Things to talk about in therapy. Right. Definitely going to have to talk about the fact that I cried because the pork chops weren't done because it made me uh, go back to my sick days. I mean, I understand that. For I mean, sure. it's le- yeah, it's a legitimate like reaction, but whew, clearly that's not some resolved shit. Yeah. Well, you know who doesn't think you're mean? Patreoners! They probably do, though. But yes. Thank you so much, Amanda T. from Tennessee. 
Oh, I love that. Tiffany N. from Texas. Rebecca B. from New Zealand. Justin W. from Ohio. And Alyssa M. from Georgia. Thank y'all so much for joining Patreon. And if you want an episode extra a week, just like these peeps, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. I can't believe we didn't say biatches. That was a one-off. I really don't know where that came from. (laughs) Y'all, before we get into Donna's story, we got to talk about Babel. Because only one in five Americans can speak a second language. Only 22% of Americans, see, I did that math for y'all, speak another language in their house other than English. So it is time to start learning a new language this fall. You want to be the exception, not the rule. And with Babbel, you can start speaking a new language in just three weeks. Babbel works. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation. And it's way easier on your pocketbook than spending hundreds of dollars for a private tutor or even just wasting your time with other apps. Babbel has quick 10-minute lessons that are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language, just like Donna said, in as little as three weeks. All of Babbel's tips and tools for learning a new language, they're approachable, accessible, and rooted in real-life situations and delivered with conversation-based teaching in mind. So y'all have heard me say it before. You know, sometimes when you do a language learning platform or a class, you start with words like library, milk, things that aren't conversational-based. It takes so long to get to that point where you can actually have a conversation with a native speaker. And with Babbel, you can get there in as little as three weeks because it starts with real-life conversations. And one study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. I'm sorry, 15 hours and a full semester? I know that math is good. With over 10 million subscriptions sold, Babbel is real language learning for real conversations. Here's a special limited time deal just for y'all. To get started right now and get 55% off your Babbel subscription, head on over to babbel.com creep. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash creep. And you get 55% off at babble.com slash creep. Rules and restrictions apply, but uh, who doesn't want 55% off? Head on over to babble.com slash creep. Okay, y'all. So the fall of the House of Usher is coming out on Netflix on October 12th. And if you don't know, it's one of the short stories written by Edgar Allan Poe. So in celebration of that, because I am very, very excited to watch it, I decided to do something a little different today. I'm going to talk about Edgar Allan Poe, but mainly focusing on his death, because if you're like me and didn't know, it's still considered his greatest mystery yet. Now, I'm not going to go over every single detail about Edgar Allan Poe's life, you know, and I'm going to be basic and I'm just going to call him Poe like everyone else does. We weren't that close and I feel weird using his first name. Just kidding. Because I normally do use first names. Yeah. Poe, it just seemed weird to use Edgar. Yeah. Like, no, it's Poe. Anyway, I'm going to give you the highs and lows of Poe's life. So picture it. Boston, 1809, Baby Poe was born. Now, both of his parents were traveling actors, and so they were always on the move along the eastern seaboard. 
Unfortunately, when Poe was just two years old, his mother died from tuberculosis. Now, that's terrible in itself, but the thing is, his father had abandoned the family a year before that, and so when Elizabeth Arnold Poe, the mom, died, Poe and his other siblings were orphans. He had a younger sister and an older brother. And word on the street is that the father abandoned them because he was jealous of his wife's acting and like that she got more accolades than he did. And, you know, some people like that just can't handle a successful woman. And they were like, peace out on their whole fucking family. And then, you know, he didn't step up like when Elizabeth died. So the siblings were split up, and this is when Poe went to live with John Allen. Now, they call him his godfather, but I don't really think it was his godfather. I think it was just someone that wanted a kid, you know? But John and his wife, Frances, took Poe in and raised him. Now, they never legally adopted him, but he did take their last name as his middle name, which I never knew either. I thought that was just... His name. Right? I know. When you said their name, I was like, oh, Edgar Allan Poe. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But I think there was some contention there or not contention. Maybe that's the right word. I don't know scribal words, but it was animosity between Poe and John because they hadn't legally adopted him, you know? So it was just like, you're still just my foster parents in. Like, why have you not done this i don't know anyway because i mean if you think about it as a child he only had his parents for two years and then these were his quote-unquote godparents foster parents and you know i think he was just always looking for that home that family and even though they took him in they weren't really that because like you know i mean sometimes it's just a piece of paper but to someone that piece of paper might mean the world right Anyway, John Allen was a very wealthy tobacco businessman, and Poe was given all the opportunities for great education overseas in Scotland when the Allens were trying to expand their business. So Poe was introduced to the classics, philosophy, all the things, and I think that was his foundation for literary arts. But I mean, I'm not saying like, oh, in two years he got to love art from his parents, but he was born to a family in the theater and, you know, in the performing arts. So, I mean, that was just something they all had in common. Now, in 1820, the Allens business didn't expand like they wanted it to, so they moved back to Richmond, Virginia, which is where they were originally from. Now, when Poe was 17, he went to the University of Virginia and really excelled. However, it said that John Allen didn't pay for all of his education, so he only sent him with like $100 and say it was $300. I think it was kind of like, okay, like I'm doing this for you, but you have to like rise to the occasion and get the other half or whatever, even though I know that math didn't math, but you know what I mean. So Poe was like, all right, fine, I'll make up the difference. But he was like, I'm going to do it my own way, which was gambling. And Poe was like me, not really good at gambling. So after John Allen had bailed Poe out of his debts time and time again, John Allen was like, I'm done, son. You are on your own. So Poe was like, fine, I'll just come back home and marry my childhood sweetie, 
who was his fiance, really, and say la vie. Like, it's fine. I don't need this education. Like, I wanted it, but I don't need it. However, when Poe returned home, his fiance, Elmira Royster, which I do not like her last name because it's hard for my mouth to move like that, um, she didn't wait on him and had moved on to another man. However, it was later found out that Elmira's father was like the mom in the notebook, that movie, well, the book, but the movie, and had intercepted all the letters that Poe had written to Elmira and everything. Oh. Yeah, and the father kind of made it seem like you're waiting for someone who has gone on to college. He has forgotten all about you. Like, don't put your life on hold for him. You know, all of that. And she had moved on. She thought she would never see him again. So we can see, like, Poe has already had a lot of ups and downs. But he was like, fuck it. I'm moving to Boston and I'm going to pursue my writing. Well, he didn't really stick to that either. And he later enrolled in the army. But he didn't really love army life. But he knew it was a good way to provide financially. So, like, he just wanted to stick it out. But he turned back to his godfather, John, and was like, hey, can you uh, pull some strings to get me into West Point? But Poe fucked around and found out that, yeah, he just didn't really enjoy anything about army life at all. And so he intentionally got kicked out for attendance and things like that. Okay, meanwhile, this person pulled strings to get you in the hardest military thing in the face of the earth, and you just fucked off and didn't do it? Like, I'd be so done with you. Right, I know. Okay, so then Poe went to Baltimore, and he got in contact with his Aunt Maria Clem and her daughter, Virginia. Now, his writing had won him some attention, and he got a job offer in Richmond, Virginia. So he invited his aunt and his cousin to come to Richmond and live with him. And then, that's when Virginia and Poe got married. Wait, his cousin? Yes, she was his cousin. Yes, she was 13. (gasps) And yes, he was 27. That is disgusting. So, that's what a lot of people thought and still think. But some people say he married her so she wouldn't have to marry someone else. Like, an arranged marriage to get their family in better standing and things like that. So, he was like, I'll take care of you and everything so you don't have to marry some, like, old man, blah, 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 blah. Here, marry me the old man so you don't have to marry another old man. That is silly. Yeah, so I don't know if that was actually the case or not. So I was listening to this podcast and it's called Stuff They Didn't Want You to Know. And they said that there were some letters, like correspondence to friends that he had said, I'm going to marry Virginia. I have no like sexual desire to her. Like this is for her benefit and my benefit. But like it was a marriage of convenience. But then others say that it said he did sexually desire her. But the source that says that is because the guy who got those papers went and like scribbled out the I do not sexually favor her and like was like, I do dot 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 sexually favor her. Oh. He was kind of like the villain in this story, you know what I mean? So it was like, I'm going to get him for the last time. So that could have been it. Who knows? I will say that the aunt and the cousin slash wife were a good positive impact on 
Poe's life. He seemed more emotionally stable with them around. And, you know, again, they were his home that he had never truly found before. They moved around a bit wherever Poe could get work. But in 1847, when Virginia was 24, she passed away from tuberculosis, just like his mother had. And most people say that Poe really never recovered from the loss of Virginia. And I think it was really because she was his moral compass and, like I mentioned, his home. And then, you know, he had lost it all over again with her death. That was the same as his mother's, you know, all the things. But I will say he ended up moving back to Richmond. And wouldn't you know, old Elmira, his childhood sweetie, was now a wealthy widow and they rekindled their relationship. So in 1849, the two became engaged again, and Poe said the only thing he needed to do was to go to New York and get his mother-in-law, you know, the ex-mother-in-law, Maria, a.k.a. his aunt, and bring her to Richmond because they were family after all. Now, around this time, Poe had a bout with cholera, but he did recover or was recovering And the last time Elmira would ever see the love of her life was when he boarded the ship on September 27th, 1849. I I know nothing about Poe. I'm like, where the fuck is this going? (laughs) I know. I really didn't either. So this was really interesting to me, and I hope it's interesting for y'all. I just know that people at Michael's are very obsessed with it because, like, there's a whole little line of it, like, Uh in their Halloween decorations. I know. I do love those, like, figurines and stuff, though. So, okay, from that day that he boarded the ship to October 3rd, no one knows what he was doing. No one has ever come forward to say they were with him during that time. Like, nothing. It's like he just vanished. But when he was seen again on October 3rd, it was an election day and he was thought to be like this bumbling drunk man on the street outside of one of the pubs, which is where you could go vote at. Like Poe was normally dressed in, you know, tailored clothes and things like that. But when he was found basically in the gutter in the street, he was wearing someone else's clothing. It was very cheap, very ill-fitting. And, you know, again, he just looked like... Disheveled, kind of? Yeah. However, a man named Joseph Walker went up and he was like, well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. This man is Edgar Allan Poe. And, again, you know, just not like some rando laying there. So, he was like, do you have anyone here who could help you? Because he was obviously in a state. And poe could like get out the name j.e snodgrass so apparently this snodgrass guy was an editor but he also had like training as a medic or something which is neither here nor there however there was a doctor that i've went to before and his name was snodgrass i just like are y'all related like down the lineage what are the chances of Snodgrass is not a common name? And for them, like him to have been like trained as a medic and this guy, a general practitioner, I'm just saying. I think you're stretching. But Snodgrass tastes like Snodgrass. That's all <laughs> I can think of. <laughs> oh, God. I love the dismissal like so quick. I think you're stretching. But <laughs> here we go with the movie quote, but not even a movie That's quote. That's not even any yeah. even close to what they but say in Willy Wonka. Like I get it. Like I totally knew what you were Snozberries doing. Snozberries taste like snozberries. Oh, God. Anyway, but it was just like, 
I think you're stretching. However, <laughs> but she's not mean, y'all. <laughs> so Joseph Walker, the man who found Poe, he wrote a letter to old buddy Snod and was like, this man says he knows you. He's in a state. Come get your boy. Right. And in the meantime, Poe was taken to a hospital and he was placed in a room where they usually housed patients who were overly intoxicated and things like that. Because everyone just assumed he was drunk. And over the next week, Poe was in and out of consciousness. And the doctor who treated Poe wrote a letter to his aunt Maria slash mother-in-law that Poe, quote, held vacant converse with a spectral and imaginary object on the walls. Oh, shit. So he's seeing things. Well, let me continue. His face was pale and his whole person drenched in perspiration. End quote. Carrie always got to ruin a quote. Sorry, I thought you were finished. Like, insert the movie from Miss Congeniality where she pauses and the other girl starts and she's like, did you did you think I was done? Yeah. Did I pause too long? Well, I didn't even pause. Like, I was just trying to get my breath and you're like, so like this. <laughs> so like, let me insert my two bits. Well, two bits, four bits, six is a dollar. Hurry up and tell me what happened. You said you did not say bits on that last one. I'm just going to let you know. Well, I was out of breath. <laughs> like you, okay. when you took the pulse. Exactly. <laughs> and see, I let you finish. <laughs> but see, I just powered through and sounded like I was done. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So obviously, yeah, it does sound like he was seeing things. What this doctor is saying. Like he was seeing things. He was talking to people who weren't there. But the thing is, no one was allowed to see Poe while he was in the hospital during this week. Sketch. Mm-hmm. And the doctor said, oh, no, he's too excitable. So, like, no one can come in. So, no one really bared witness to anything that took place in the hospital. But on October 7th, 1849, Edgar Allan Poe passed away. Now, the staff said the last thing they remember Poe doing was randomly changing between mumbling and shouting a name. And the name was Reynolds. Like, he woke up from sleep screaming the name Reynolds. And then he went back to sleep and took his last breath. No one has ever been able to figure out who Reynolds was. If he was someone, if it was... A hint for something, anything, no one knows. Still a mystery. Now, the doctor cited that it was swelling or congestion of the brain that was the cause of death, or for educated people like Carrie, phrenitis, which back in the day apparently was a diagnosis given to a lot of people who had substance abuse. And honestly, that's what I thought happened with Edgar Allan Poe. I thought he was like the writers of that time and just like drank and partied and did drugs for, you know, inspiration and all of that. However, that wasn't the case. Yes, there were times that Poe was seen very intoxicated, but come to find out, he wasn't that big of a drinker. He was just like me, couldn't really hold his alcohol. However, for other reasons, he was thought to have a hereditary allergy to alcohol, which his sister also suffered from. So it's like he had one glass of wine, but he was done for. And if he had any more, he would be really sick. And also, he wasn't known to use drugs other than once when the doctor had prescribed him some and he did not like how he felt on them or anything. And so he was like, nope, not going to do them. So he was totally not the person I had thought he was, you know? I mean, I knew like he wrote the poems and the short stories and all of that, but I was just like, 
Yeah, he's like a moody, broody writer, which he was, but... Moody, broody. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like, I just always would think like, yeah, he's doing like fucking lithium. I don't know. Like, whatever it is back then. What was the one that's like, sounds really cool, absinthe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? Just, that's what I thought. And that's what I thought he died of, was an overdose. But there are a lot of theories revolving around post-death. Like, we just talked about the drug or alcohol overdose. But this was ruled out in 2006 because there is an analysis done on Poe's hair. Because back in the day, apparently, like, it was... I guess for famous people or just anyone, be like, oh, get a clip of their hair to remember them by. Well, they still had this, like the museum or whatever. And so they tested it and it showed that he did not have any, like he he wasn't drunk. He wasn't any of that. He didn't have any kind of poisoning at all. Okay. However, you have to get like from the follicle because it grows out. So while if he had done it like a long time ago, it would have grown out if they had just like a slip of his, like a, a snip of his hair. If it, he had done it a long time ago, it would have grown out with it. However, they would have had to have plucked it, like, from the root to be able to get, okay, was he high, like, right then, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Now, there was another theory about carbon monoxide poisoning or heavy metal poisoning. But this one, again, doesn't hold true because that test, it did show that it had some heavy metal in his hair. Also, I mean, he was wearing a hat when he was... uh found and back then like mercury and stuff was in like the felt of the hat it was just like yeah him and everyone else had heavy metal poisoning but also like with the carbon monoxide poisoning he was the only one who was outside like that if it had been in the pub or whatever no one else was showing any signs of this there wasn't like oh my gosh there's so many people out in the street doing this you know they're just saying like this was a one-off So they really ruled that one out. Now, another one is that he had gotten beaten up and it had caused a head injury, which in turn was the whole phrenitis thing. So there's a story that said that Poe had been speaking with a woman and she felt insulted by him, either like something he said was rude or, you know, he said something that wasn't couth to her. And so a man stepped in to defend her honor, you know, that kind of thing. And beat Poe up, which is why he was left like that in the street. But that doesn't account for him being in someone else's clothes. And just how he was acting, like the state he was in, just it doesn't match up. Then there's another theory that he did die from the flu or cholera. Like maybe, you know, because he was sick before. And maybe with the trip, he just hadn't really fully recovered. And it was too much, kind of sent his body in a downward health spiral. And like, if he had really had temps or something and was really dehydrated, maybe that's why he was mumbling incoherently and things like that. I mean, honestly, with the time that this happened, it literally could have been anything. Right. It's just the state he was in when he was found with the other clothes on and like why and then where was he for that week that no one knows about? Like those days are just unaccounted for. Right. So it's like, okay, but like why? What happened? But okay, then there's another theory, and it's murder. Of course, when you think of someone who has seemingly vanished for multiple days and then ends up dying mysteriously, you always have to think 
maybe they were murdered. Now, one theory is that Elmira's brothers, you know, the wealthy widow that he had got back in touch with, um, they didn't want Poe and her to get married because, again, they thought he was taking advantage of her. Like, he hadn't messaged her the whole time he was gone. And then, you know, of course, he comes back into her life now that she's a widow and blah, 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 blah. And so they had threatened him. And that's why people said he might have been in different clothing because they had threatened him. He was trying to kind of fly under the radar so they wouldn't get to him. But... They found him anyway, then they liquored him up and beat him up, resulting in his death. But here's the final theory. There's a few other things because so many people have opinions, but this one, this is the one I'm like, huh, okay. And I had no idea it ever existed. But this theory is called cooping. Now here's the tea on cooping. This was something really big back in the day, and it had to do with voter fraud and voter intimidation. So people would pay gangs or the gangs who had like someone in their pocket, they would have that goal in getting that person voted in office and they would do anything they needed to to get this done. And so gangs would basically jump a person, just anyone, and kidnap them. Then they would get them drunk, drugged, whatever, and have them go vote for whoever the gang wanted them to vote for. And then they would disguise them in different clothes and all that and make them vote multiple times. And if the person didn't comply, you know, they would beat them up badly, all of that shit. And so if you think about how Poe really couldn't tolerate alcohol well, and then the fact that he was in another person's clothes that were definitely just like not his at all. And also he was outside that tavern, which was a voting place on voting day. That's a lot of dinks right there. And it accounts for him being gone for a period of time and no one knew where he was. Because if they had gotten to him, like kidnapped him, forced alcohol in his system, and then like he had this really bad reaction to it, might have taken him a little bit to be like, is he going to die or what? And then they were able to keep him around until voting day and used him in their little voter fraud and then left him to die on the side of the road. But we will really never know what happened to Edgar Allan Poe, which is probably just how he wanted it. Full of mystery, full of suspicion, and he couldn't have written it any better. Now there's one thing I did not know, but the Baltimore Ravens, the football team, they're named after Poe's poem, The Raven. Really? Yes. Why? Because he wrote it in Baltimore hmm. and all of that. Had no fucking clue. Me neither. But I was like, I just thought it was like the Ravens. Like, well, because you got like the Falcons, the Seahawks. Yeah. But no, it is inspired by Edgar Allan Poe. And if you're like me, you didn't know half of that shit that I just said, though. Or if you're like me, the only thing you knew was his name and the Raven. Yeah, I knew absolutely nothing about him. Yeah, I thought I did, but I had no idea. Well, sounds like I got to go shopping at Michael's to get some of his shiz. Right? Did he Did he ever have kids? Doesn't sound like it. I don't think so. Because uh, I was like, hmm, I wonder who, like, owns his image, you know? I have no idea. I mean, I'm sure he had an estate that everything was left to. And maybe the wife, he was, like, remarrying, you know? That the brothers didn't like. Maybe it went to her and maybe she had kids and like it continues that way. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think she did have kids. 
But hopefully y'all like that. I know it was a little different, but it still has some mystery, some intrigue. And I mean, Edgar Allan Poe is, you know, like the godfather of creepy, mysterious. I still can't get over the 13 year old though. Yeah. So my story tonight is about Mackenzie Lewick. Mackenzie was a 23 year old student at the University of Utah. Now she was from California, but she moved there to go to school, obvi. She was going to school as a kinesiology major, like pre-nursing. You know, she was very want to do medical field type things. She was in a sorority and just living her best life in Utah. Unfortunately, her grandmother passed away. So she had to go back home to Los Angeles for the funeral. On June 16th of 2019, Mackenzie got on a plane to go from LA back to Utah. Now her flight was not supposed to get in until like one o'clock in the morning. I think she had to go back to Utah because she had midterms coming up that week because the very next week she was supposed to be flying back to California for one of her friend's weddings. God, the thought of traveling like that wears me out. I know. I'm not cut out for it. No. And then that she had midterms in between that. Oh my gosh. Not to mention the emotion of losing a grandma and, you know, a funeral and all that. That takes it out of you. Now, Mackenzie got back to Utah and texted her mom at about 2 o'clock that morning to say that she had landed safely. But over the coming days, no one heard from Mackenzie. Mackenzie wasn't active on social media at all. And again, it's 2019. So we're talking Snapchat and Instagram and all the things. TikTok wasn't a thing yet, but it was coming. Well, I think it was a thing. It just wasn't for us older millennials until the pandemic hit. But when people called her cell phone, it would go straight to voicemail. Her family was becoming increasingly worried because it's not like her to not contact them. So after about three days, Mackenzie's dad is like, enough is enough. And he calls police to do a wellness check. Police get to her townhouse and they see Mackenzie's car in the driveway and they knock and nobody answered. But when they kind of looked through windows, you know, just looking around the house, they didn't see anything. So the police report back to the parents, nothing is amiss. Her car's here, but she's not answering. But she's 23. You know, she could have gone with somebody, taken an Uber, a Lyft, whatever. But police didn't stop there. They started talking to coworkers, friends, professors, anyone that had any interaction with Mackenzie to see if they could figure out where she was. The police start looking into what happened at the airport. You know, they get security footage and they can see that she got off the plane. Nothing appeared to be out of the ordinary. She didn't look in distress. She got her luggage from like baggage claim. And again, she just seemed completely typical. That's what's scary is when you look back at the like last footage before, you know, she's gone and it's just normal. There's nothing to say she was in distress. She was this. Okay, we have something to go on. Yeah. She didn't look concerned. She wasn't, you know, looking over her shoulder, looking around. She just was doing her thing. Now, of course, her family at this time is posting all over social media. They're trying to get the word out. Like, she's missing. We don't know what's going on. And they were like, I bet she took some sort of ride share from the airport. And she did. They found out that Mackenzie did take a lift from the airport. So through a search warrant, they were able to find out that, yes, she was picked up from the airport by a Lyft driver and was taken to a park. 
She was taken to Hatch Park in North Salt Lake City. She got there at about 3 a.m. But it was like, what the fuck? Why why did she go to a park at 3 a.m.? Like, why did a Lyft driver take her to a park at 3 a.m.? But also because she still had her luggage and everything. Exactly. So the detectives track down the Lyft driver, interview him, and he it's kind of a dead end. He has a strong alibi. You can clearly see that he drops her off and then goes and picks up another passenger. So, I mean, like, immediately after dropping her off. So there was no time for any, like, foul play or anything like that. And the driver was being very cooperative with police. There was even surveillance footage from an intersection close by showing that he left and went immediately to pick up that other passenger. So there was truly no question as to whether or not he was on the up and up. When they asked the driver, he was like, yeah, she seemed fine. The driver did feel like it was odd to drop her off at the middle of the night in a park, but when they pulled up, there was a car there waiting for her. Mackenzie got out, they unloaded her luggage, she said bye to the driver, and that was really it. At this point, police are able to start going through her phone records and all of that. They do know that she'd been texting with a phone number, but they weren't able to trace it back to anything other than a burner phone. Well, that's never a good sign. Right. And then, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword for her family because they're like, okay, so yay, she clearly knew who she was meeting because she got a ride over there. But also, does that mean that she just left or does that mean that somebody she knows hurts her? Or, you know, like, what what does this mean? But the investigation did kind of slow down at that point because it was like, where do you go from here? I'm kind of unclear on the warrant part as far as her phone because some stuff made it sound like they didn't really have access to her phone at this point because they couldn't really prove anything had actually happened to her because she was 23. And so she, of course, has every right to just leave her life if she wants to. And there was no signs of distress from anyone but then I also like this was on a dateline and the storyline that they tell you know the burner phone that I talked about so I'm like so why didn't they know some of this other stuff that comes up later if they had access to her phone because you know sometimes dateline kind of distorts the timeline a little bit so just know that some of the warrant phone things were like wait what and some of it could be that they were able to get some information like call logs and text logs but they weren't able to get like the details because you know they can they can be reading your shit I mean we know that Jody Arias I feel bad for whoever has to read mine but also yours because you're spelling mistakes lately like <laughs> I don't know what has happened but then it autocorrects to something even more weird I literally typed S-E-Y to her the other day. I typed yes. Because, you know, I I mean, I typed quickly on my phone. And it was like I typed it so fast that I typed it backwards. Yeah. Like, why did it not... How did it do that? Like, the Y was capitalized, too, wasn't it? No, I think it was E-Y-S. No, it was S-E-Y, wasn't it? No. We gotta look. Because I said it reminded me of the TikTok thing where they would say... Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. uh Uh-huh. But they would say, like... Okay, E-Y-E-S. What's that spell? And they're like, E-S. Yeah. Okay, you're right. I'm wrong. When I'm wrong, I say you're right. Okay, so this was the weird thing, though. So there was no activity on her social media account, no activity on Mackenzie's bank accounts, and no activity on her phone. And then all of a sudden, 
there was. Like, it would look like she was signed into her accounts on social media. You know, like on the chat, it'll be like, put a dot next to you because you're online. And then there were some transactions that came through in her bank. But it ended up being her friends logging into her account to check things to be like, has she messaged anybody? You know, playing armchair detective and her account was like the lift thing coming out i think she got paid like an auto draft it was stuff like that it wasn't actually anyone using her card or her banking and people just could not wrap their brain around what happened to mckenzie because they just felt like she was so safe like she was the one that was like text me when you make it home okay and and all of that and so they were like she would not have just up and left her family she would not have just up and left her life But she's so safe. Like, what happened to her? Now, Mackenzie was raised Church of Latter-day Saints. And when she moved to Utah, she really wanted to kind of find herself. And so she was really trying to explore things, to find out who she was, and, you know, kind of see, I think, where she fit in church and her beliefs with the beliefs that she was raised around. And so that's kind of where she was in her life at that point. Now, I feel like there was a couple of different ways in which this next part happens some stuff made it sound like police found this information on her phone but on the dateline episode i'm gonna tell you what they said there was a private investigator that was just out and about one night like on the town and he actually met mckenzie now this is before all of this happened and when he saw the news footage of mckenzie because this is like picking up steam that she's missing he and a friend kind of put together that that's that girl that was talking to us in the bar you know, not too long ago. And him being a private investigator, he says, people just tell you their stuff. It's like, they just want to tell someone. And so you being like law enforcement or a private investigator, they just kind of spill the beans to you. And that's what happened when he was talking to McKenzie. But he tells police that McKenzie had been doing a lot on dating sites and meeting people like that. But for her, she was starting to explore the more dating scene and I think even who she was sexually. So the police were like, okay, did she have like a hookup that she met online and she didn't want people to know? Like this kind of opens up a whole new door. Now at this point, Mackenzie has missed her midterms, which is so unlike her. And at this point, it's time for her to fly back home for her friend's wedding and when the time came she did not get on the plane they check flight logs and all of that and Mackenzie was never on that flight but I left out a detail one thing that that PI told police not only was she on dating sites she was specifically on dating sites for sugar babies to meet sugar daddies So specifically, she was on a site called Seeking Arrangements. I'm just saying you might have my username up in there. Who knows? Really? You've been on that? (laughs) Doesn't surprise me (laughs) in the least. And McKenzie had been fairly active. That plane ticket to go to her friend's wedding was actually paid by someone that she met through Seeking Arrangements. So as this online dating trail is starting to heat up a little bit for police, they're really able to start looking into her interactions on the website well whatever app I'm sure at this point anyway they're looking more into this burner phone number that she's been talking to 
And they find out that there was a little bit of a digital trail that was left, even though it was a burner phone. It took police to this Wi-Fi router at a house in Salt Lake City. The house belonged to Ahula Ajahi, AJ for short. Now, AJ worked in IT and fancied himself a part-time model. So police go to his house and they're like, knock, knock, knock. Hey, what's going on? You know this girl? And he's like, no, I don't actually. And they're like, cool. Well, there's text messages from your IP address to her phone. And he's like, oh, well, my house is an Airbnb. So my Wi-Fi network is open because my guests have to be able to have access. And they're like, oh, okay, cool, cool. And, you know, they kind of snoop around a little bit. Everything seems cool. So the police leave. Well, later, AJ comes to the police station and he's like, oh, ooh, sorry. I was actually wrong earlier. I kind of forgot because she actually reached out to me. I didn't really know who she was. She saw my seeking arrangements profile and like we just like text a little bit and that was really it. He said that he thinks that maybe she ghosted him, but that was really it. Well, police had nothing to go on other than what he's saying. They can't just be like, oh, you're under arrest because they literally had nothing. And what are they arresting him for? Because we still don't even know where Mackenzie is or even if she's in danger, which we know she is, but you get the point. Legally, they don't actually know that. So before he leaves, though, he gives police his cell phone number just in case they need to get in touch with him for anything. And they're like, awesome, thanks for your actual phone number. So now that they had AJ's actual phone number, they were able to start doing a little tracking with the phone records. Because they had proof that Mackenzie's phone left the airport, went to Hatch Park, and now they had proof that AJ's phone left his house and went to Hatch Park at the same time time Uh uh-huh so it's like got him but don't got him but like got him now because of this police are actually able to get a search warrant for his house and they get in there and they're like whoa it smells like bleach in here and also what happened to your mattress where'd that go oh my god so while police are doing their thing they get a little bit of action from the nosy neighbor who's like, by the by, last week, he had a backyard uh, fire where he burned trash illegally, just so you know. And they're like, you don't fucking say. And the neighbor's like, yeah, it was actually pretty freaking terrible. It stunk, shit like flew into our yard. And they were like, it was like, looked like some clothes. Maybe they, like, they weren't sure what it actually was. Oh my God, that's all I can say. I know. So the police bring in a cadaver dog, which signaled that there was a body there. But there wasn't a body like in the yard. What they did find was bags and bags of evidence. They actually did arrest AJ at that time. Like bring, well, bring him into custody. I don't think they actually like put him under arrest. You know, you can bring him in under suspicion and interview him and all that without officially putting him under arrest. So at this point, they take all of their evidence that they had collected back to the crime lab. They had found some burnt clothing, what looked like a purse or a backpack, because there was like a a freshly dug area in his backyard, and that's where they found a lot of this. In there, they found an iPhone, and they did find some human tissue. Long story short, they were able to prove that the tissues that they found in his backyard were McKenzie's. So police arrest him and charge AJ with aggravated murder. But 
again, they, as terrible as it sounds, they just had tissues. I just feel like that's so, like, clinical. I hate saying it like that. Like, they just, they didn't find Mackenzie. So, it was like, where is her body? Well, police start doing more digging into his phone, and they found that he actually had traveled not long after he talked to police up to Morgan City. And he had gone in some canyons and stuff and then went back to Salt Lake City. So they're like, okay, maybe he had exhumed her body, took her up there. Like, let's go look. And they did, in fact, find Mackenzie's body. Now, while AJ is in custody, some things kind of start coming to light. A woman that saw all of this in the news actually came forward and said that she had actually met AJ through a dating site. And this was like a religious dating site. And that he had kidnapped and raped her. But she was too fearful to come forward until she saw that he had been arrested. Holy shit. Now, AJ was going to go to trial, but... Eventually, he actually ended up pleading guilty to murdering Mackenzie. And as part of his plea deal, of course, he had to admit that he had done it. And he offered some probably not heartfelt apology. He was sentenced to life without parole. And that was one of the parts of him confessing was that they took the death penalty off the table. Remember how I told you about that other girl that came forward. AJ actually admitted to a second degree felony of forcible sexual abuse, saying that he did in fact assault that woman. And that was in March of 2018. As part of his plea deal with that, because he got an extra like 15 years for that, they dropped 19 felony charges of sexual exploitation of a minor. Because when police were looking through all of his shit, they found images of children from the ages of four to eight. Are you fucking kidding me? And I just like, to me, that is the cherry on top of this fuck you cake of this guy who worked in IT, who thought he was so fucking smart. Because when he would message Mackenzie, they would do it in like a separate texting app. I forgot what it was called. I think like a kick or whatever. Something It wasn't that, but something like that where I felt like, okay, so they get a printout of all of her text messages. Well, he's not on it because it's in this other app, Mm -hmm. you know? And so like, he just thought he was so smart. Like, oh, I have an Airbnb. My thing, you know, like he didn't think with his IP address and with that. And, you know, he probably thought that he had all these images well hidden in his IT brain and the police fucking found it. Yeah. Wow. That's disgusting. So he is spending life in prison right where he fucking deserves. Yeah, as he should. Well, I'm glad that they were able to locate Mackenzie's body. Yeah, and some stuff, I I do want to say that there were some articles that made it sound like AJ took them to the body, and that was part of his plea deal too. Like, okay, I'll show you where her remains are. So I honestly don't know which is true. Just thinking about canyons and like what we know of people who do dispose of bodies there, I feel like he probably had to show them because it could have been literally anywhere. Now, they were able to really kind of follow where he was because of his phone tracking, you know, but still. I just think of like Susan Powell. Yeah. You know, but this happened in 2019. Yeah. Phones are very different now. Yeah. But you know, the whole time I was listening to podcasts about this story and and all, I was like, how do I feel about the things that people do on these apps, like dating apps and all that, it being available? 
you know, it's like there's part of me that is like, ooh, it, they should have their privacy to be able to, like, you shouldn't just be able to, like, here's a search warrant and I'm going to find out every single person that this person's ever talked to because they have a, should have a little bit of privacy. But then I'm like, fuck that. You find out what everybody's doing and saying on these damn apps. I don't know. And maybe that's a very American, like, privacy and don't know my information and all of that. But meanwhile, I have, like, all the apps on, that know everything. Yeah. But I don't I don't know. I probably got that from my parents. Remember, my parents didn't want an Alexa because she was listening. Yeah. Now they have one in every room. You know, you see what I'm saying? So maybe it's just that kind of thought process still, but... I get it because you're you're at a vulnerable place when you're on a dating app. Very much so. But I think... It is good that the police can access that when something does happen. Yeah, I agree. Well, and it just, and two, as long as they have probable cause, they're not just pulling everybody's records for shits and giggles. Right. But it did make me really think about, though, like you on dating sites when y'all only talk on Snapchat. Yeah. Like there's no trail. Yeah. And that, that, like... Because he was texting her on, like, a a third-party app, for lack of a better word. Yeah. You know, not actual text messages. And so, it really wasn't something that they could track as well. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. It just made me think about that. So, that's definitely something to be mindful of. Yeah. Look, if they don't have an iPhone, well, WhatsApp seems sketchy because that's what all, like, the spammers will use. Yes. You know, so, like, I'm not like, WhatsApp? Because that's what all the spammers use, so I don't want to be like, hey, okay, let's do WhatsApp, Right, because that's literally the person that sends you a message, and they're like, I'm in the military, and I'm out of the country, and it's like, you're not. Yeah. You're definitely not. Yeah. So... Snapchat allows me to see when they've read it or not read it or Mm -hmm. whatever. But like normally I would be able to see that it was delivered at least or if they blocked me or something like that if they have an iPhone. So it's like, okay, cool. If not, I want to know because I have attachment issues. Oh, same. Like I... Again, I've you I've said this a bazillion times. It's easy for me to say sitting here as a married person that I know he's not leaving me on red, you know? Yeah. Like I would want to know too. Like I would still want to message in Snapchat to be like, did they open that or are they just ignoring me or yeah. did that like did they block me? Did, I would want to know all of that too, but it's it made me think about it. Yeah, for sure. All I got to say is y'all be safe out there. Because think about it. If you're on a dating app and you really are just hooking up, people meet at 3 a.m. You know what I mean? It's not, I, I don't know. It's like, it's not out of the realm of possibilities of some shit that would go down. No. I do feel like that's a little sketch for the seeking arrangement to me because I feel like that's not what like a sugar daddy, sugar baby role typically is. Like it's usually more of like, not necessarily a mentor role, but it's less like... You're thinking of me. <laughs> no, but it's 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 not just sex. Like, that is typically so much more of a relationship where they help you and that, you know, it's not just like, I want to hook up with somebody older or younger or whatever, you know? Not necessarily on seeking arrangements. Oh, okay. Okay, okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. See, Donna's in the know. <laughs> that was more sex. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, good to know. But I know what you're saying, because that is what I liked about the whole arrangements and stuff. But yeah, it's so hard because also like people, I'm not saying just you or anything, but like people in general are like, be careful on those dating apps. And I'm like, okay, I'll be careful. Go into my car. I'll be careful. Go into the bathroom. I'll be careful. 
going anywhere, you know? Well, and again, how different is it truly meeting someone off the internet that you've actually talked to for a few days or meeting someone in a bar and going home with them? It's no different at all. It's just the platforms changed because people 25 years ago would have thought nothing about a one night stand from a bar. Right. Or you meet somebody at a bar and you go out to dinner with them the next day. It's literally the same thing. Mm -hmm. Whether you're going out to dinner with them or you're going to their house, you're still going somewhere with someone you don't fucking know. Right. Being single is hard as fuck. It it really is. Somebody out there manifest me a man because I can't do it. I'm telling you, I found that man for Tiffany on TikTok today. You did. This guy, y'all, I'm talking, this was his like second TikTok. He has like four now, I think. And this guy blew up overnight. I'm talking like 60,000 likes on this. And it was just this good old country boy. That's exactly how he describes himself. What, he was like 53 and he Mm -hmm. was like, you want me to hug you? I'll hug you. You need some space? I'll give you space. You want me to cook you dinner? I can do bacon in the frying pan. I can do it in the oven. I can do eggs. You want scrambled fry? I was like, Tiffany! He said, my house is paid for. I live in Mississippi. I got 40 acres. All paid for. I'll be, I'd move though for you. I'm like, Tiffany. I know. This is your boo-boo. I know. And she's like, whatever. We're like, no, go for it. Like legit. I, he had another TikTok like that. God, I love the TikTok algorithm sometimes. But he had another TikTok that came up and was like, y'all, I'm trying to answer all of y'all. Like, you got I'm a good old country boy. You got to give me a minute to figure <laughs> this thing out. I had no idea this was going to blow up. And I saw this girl's comment that was like, my niece told me about you. I had to download TikTok just so I could talk to you. Oh, gosh. So I was like, oh, Tiffany might miss her shot with this one, though. She don't hurry the fuck up. I know. Also, I saw a comment that was like, hold on, like, BRB, let me go see if my mom still likes my dad. <laughs> I was like, Tiffany, that man has 40 acres. Do you want to see if he wants to sell that to me? I mean, I have no money, but like, that's the dream. (laughs) That man is living the dream. I wonder where in Mississippi. I know. I know. We're like hype girls for her. And she's always like, well, me. She has a type and this man was her type. Yes. Oh, well. Well, we're thankful that we are y'all's type. Thank y'all so much for listening and supporting us. It truly means the world to us. Don't forget to like, subscribe, review, all the things, and remember. Creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.